Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Bruce. Uh, and, uh, we are here to talk about casual things, uh, like casual magic, and, uh, talk about it casually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, the, welcome to episode 85, uh, we, wow, 85, um, we're halfway through our season, so that means we got a little Temple's Treasures for you. And for those who don't know Temple's Treasures, we look for cards that are underplayed uh, because they're just old and people don't know about them. Right. Uh, or because they're not that great. But they've got their niches, uh, and that's that's what we like to, to make shine here. We, we put a little polish on them and be like, look, this card is interesting, right? Uh and then usually uh, I look at them afterwards and go, yeah, maybe I could have chosen better. But hey, <laughs> um, I think Andy's underplaying it a little bit. These are these are, these are decent cards, but they're decent cards in the right deck. And that's kind of the right. key. I mean, if we're talking about an older card that is not getting played in decks, then it's likely uh, a kind of a card that would go in a particular deck. So just something to keep in mind. Um when we say underplayed or not played in a lot of decks, we're looking at EDH rec. So we pick our cards mm. and we try and pick cards that are in less than 2,000. 2,000. Less yeah. than 2,000 EDH decks. Um, and first printing before 8th edition? Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, and um, with a lot of these cards, you're going to find that they don't tend to have a lot of printings after 8th edition because if they do, odds are they get played in more decks because more people see them. Yeah. So. Um, so some of these you're going to find are going to be like, oh, they've got like one or two, maybe two, one or two printings and, uh, just sort of, you know, they're, they're weird and eclectic cards and I like them. Yeah. Um, you know, first couple seasons we did this, we did enchantments of each color. Yes. And then now we've been wake, making our way through <clears throat> sorceries cause yes. they are less played as well. Uh, so we figured it'd be easy. Uh, so far we've done white, black, and green. Not in that order. Uh, so this week we decided, hey, let's do red sorceries. Yeah. Um, I emphasized, uh, you know, how little play these got. Uh, it was, it was, or how easy this would be. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Bruce, what, what's, I, I know how my experience with this was. Uh, how was your experience? All right, so... The, the thing the thing to remember is that we're talking about older cards and with older cards a lot of this a lot of the sorceries especially were were sort of formulaic um, they either destroyed a land or it was some kind of direct damage um, and it was variations on the theme so uh, you know it, just straight up destroy a land how about a non-basic how about you do X y and Z and then you get uh, and then it turns into another uh, another destroy land, or you can destroy a creature, or just a player, or you can get an X spell that does creatures and players, but you pay extra for multiple targets and all kinds of stuff like that. But that was the theme. It's, you know, destroy a land, do damage to some kind of permanent. Um, hmm. And that just seemed to be running over and over through sorceries and so I found it a little more difficult to try and pick just because, well, in multiplayer, 
A sorcery that does damage to a creature is generally not something I'm really looking for. I want something more than that because I want, um, you know, if I'm going to deal damage to a creature, I don't want to do the damage until the creature's attacking me. And the sorcery isn't going to help me with that. So I want instant, <laughs> I want instant speed damage if I'm going to use it. Yeah. And a lot of times you're better off just with a way to, to destroy or you, you want to get rid of the creature without having to do damage to it because there are so many ways to stop the damage. And a lot of times if the creatures get, if the creature gets too big, then, it, you know, doing enough damage to the creature with a red damage spell ends up costing way more or the spell itself only does, you know, however much damage and that's not enough to kill the creature. So it, you know, it yeah. can be kind of dangerous going down that route a little bit, but yeah, and it, kind of along the same lines too. I, I keep whenever I do this, I always keep forgetting this crucial point. But just because all of these cards are old and not great, doesn't mean that all old cards aren't good. Like, you know, there are good red sorceries, but they're being played. You know, like yeah. they're in more than two thousand decks. Right. Uh, like, I mean, we're not. We're not here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna run insurrection on my list. This isn't a card right. that people don't know about. You know about this card. It's in a lot of decks now. Maybe there's an issue as to whether or not it's still considered a good card because of the cost. But <laughs> everybody knows about it, so right. it's not a card that's going to get there. And I find that a lot of the red sorceries that did something a little bit off the beaten path tended to be cards that were that were well known and popular. So. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, um, I did pick five. Yeah. <clears throat> I also picked five. We'll see if there's any overlap. We'll see if we even get to five, you know, time permitting. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, without any further ado, let's uh, let's jump right in. I'll, I'll go first. Sure. My first one, um, I've got plenty of copies of. Uh, it's Tongarth's Glare. It's for a single red. So sorcery, obviously. Look at the top three cards of target opponent's library, then put them back in any order. That player looks at the top three cards of your library and puts them back in any order. Um, it is currently in 76 decks, uh, which is approximately 0% of the 789,000 <laughs> possible decks that it could be in. Um, this, this has very niche... I started with this one because it has very niche uh, use case. Uh, obviously, it helps if uh, your opponent is doing top of the library shenanigans, uh, and you just want to get a look see. Or, I mean, honestly, it's a one minute sorcery. It, you can use it to get your storm count up. Uh, it's practically free in uh, any sort of decks that's that are utilizing uh bergy mm -hmm. because you're getting that red and that red uh mana right back right but the thing that <clears throat> this made me instantly think of was uh decks uh like atali uh things that make you uh exile the top of everybody's library type thing and then you get to play it right so like with atali you can oh, okay set up you can set up one of your opponent's uh, mm -hmm. decks and if uh, that opponent is feeling a little friendly that day they can help you set up yours uh, obviously that part doesn't matter too much but 
you know, with Atali, you do get whatever is on, on top of their library uh, as long as you play this first main phase. Right. Uh, Tongar's Glare is also nice if you already know that, like, if you've got a particular card in hand that's going to let you flip over a number of cards off the top of your library, yeah. and maybe you get to play one of them or whatever, you know, however the exile is set up. Um, yeah. Then it doesn't, the, the order doesn't matter to you. So in the end, all that's happening here is that I get to mess with the order that you're dealing with, and I'm just going to flip over those top cards. Yeah, I just love cards like this because, like, it. it, I feel like this especially is the epitome of uh, cards that your opponents will just be like, "Wait, what? Why are you playing? What?" Uh, And it's not even necessarily like that sneaky. It's just kind of like, all right, if you want to use a slot for that, sure. Yeah. Um, but generally, you have an idea of what you're trying to do with it. Yeah, and like and like you said, I think uh, quite often. I mean, this is one of the best times, or one of the best times to use this is really when you and you and one of your opponents are in desperate need of an answer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice way to have you know. To set up the top three cards of your library and your opponent's library, uh, to try and maximize how this, you know, how the, how it's going to go. Uh, the difficulty, of course, is that if you're in that situation, you're usually looking for an answer right away. So you're looking at the top three cards of your opponent's library and basically giving them the best thing that you can find, because you're probably in a in a position where that you you may not get to that second card. So right, yeah. You know, so it could be could be limited use, and really, I mean, if you know, if one of the cards is garbage, the best you can do is drop it down to the third the third spot, as opposed to getting rid of it. So, um, yeah, I, I I can I get the limited use, but uh, and uh, but I do see I do see the upside on this one too. So moving on, uh, what's your what's your first one? My first one is boiling seas. Oh. We talked about land. I, I mentioned land destruction. I'm going to go hard with the land destruction. Boiling Seas is three in a red. Destroy all islands. Um, this isn't a card that's going to let you destroy all islands. It says that it will, but it won't. Because if somebody's got enough islands out there that you're willing to play this card, because you're not playing this card to get rid of one island or two islands. You're playing this to get rid of a chunk. You want to you wanna take that blue player and... And really chop the legs right out from underneath them. And that, that would be the reason that you'd be playing this. Well, as soon as they've got that kind of mana, this is all this card says it's it's a four mana. It says this spell's getting countered. <laughs> I, they they will have somebody, uh, one of the blue players at your table is going to have the counter for this. They're going to dodge it somehow, some way. So when you put it in your deck, put it in there with the assumption that. You're drawing out a counter spell with this one. Yeah. And I mean, hey, if it does cash in and you actually do get to destroy all islands, good for you. But just be aware, <laughs> if you're playing this card and that happens, you better have a follow-up. You better be able to finish this game because you've just taken the anybody who's a primarily blue player and just you've put them almost out of the game. So if they get yeah. to stay in, you're dead if I'm the blue player, oh, I've got one target for the rest of the game. And it really doesn't matter at that point whether I win or lose. That's where I'm going <laughs> over and over. So if you play this card, 
be prepared to follow through. You really want to be able to hammer home right after that. Uh, I, I, this is, this is no different than, uh, uh, cyclonic rift. Mm. Uh, if you're going to play the rift, you better be able to follow it up and win. So if you're going to play boiling seas, you better be able to follow it up and win and win quick because you're not, uh, you know, you're leaving, you're leaving your opponents in a terrible state for the rest of the game where they have to try and build back up. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And I, I think you nailed it by saying that this is almost like literally just, just to bait out the counter. And I think it is one of the best cards to do that with because like so often cards that you want to play just to bait out the counter, uh, like are so that like, like they, you play it and then maybe they'll counter it. Maybe they won't. And like, if they don't counter it, like things are still uh, okay. Yeah. But like with this, if they don't counter it, they're screwed. (laughs) Yeah, like yeah. Did, like there they, is no holding off on the counter for them. Right, they have to counter. The yeah. only time a blue player doesn't have to counter this is if they're running, if is if they're three color deck, and they're only losing mm. say two islands. Then right. maybe they can get away with not countering it. But trust me, even if they could, if they could counter it, even with only the two islands, they probably will counter. You, yeah, this is land destruction. Almost every casual group hates land destruction you will likely be be hated by definitely the blue players maybe other players as well this thing comes with strong repercussions i mean you know yes it's not armageddon you're not destroying everybody's lands you're not destroying all of the lands but destroy all islands is a powerful statement and you better be prepared to back it up it just you have to you have to be prepared to back it up so yeah. Um, yeah. What a what a fun what a fun thing. What a fun thing. And one other piece, um, for those who, who who tend to see cards that are very uh, that are very focused. So you know, for those who would say, "Oh, boiling seas. Why would I play that if nobody's playing islands? It doesn't do anything." Yeah, sure. And if nobody's playing creatures, then your removal doesn't do anything. Trust me. Somebody on your table's playing islands. Yeah, somebody is almost almost guaranteed. Somebody else is playing islands. And if it's that one night that nobody is playing blue, like, it, it, like the next game, will, like it's just it's so rare for somebody not to be playing blue. Right, so. right. It, it just it just is. So, um, and also keep in mind as a lot more people are starting to get the duels. And by duels, I mean lands that, ha- that list both of the basics, uh, like the, Rav- the Ravnica duels that list both of the basics. Some of the, and a lot of the newer dual lands are searchable. So you can search for an island and you can find any duel that lists blue as, or lists island as one of the options. Uh, a lot of the older duels were just, you know, here's a name, there's there they didn't have a basic attachment so those ones would still tap for blue and they wouldn't get destroyed by boiling seas but nowadays most duels have have both names on them both are both basic names and they'll get caught up in the boiling seas uh, yeah uh, disaster for blue so yeah yeah uh and for those wondering this is in 418 decks 
Yes. Uh, according to EDA Trek, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my next card is actually two cards. Ooh. Ooh. You'll see. Uh, you'll see wh- why I chose two cards. Okay. Um, I've got Gitu Fire and what's the other one? Carevex uh, Torch. They okay. both are a red and X, and they both say when you uh, you may play this card anytime you'd play an instant if you pay two generic more to play it. Yeah, uh, it deals X damage to target creature or player. So, essentially, it's a sure it's an instant at uh, two and a red and X. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know if you don't need to do it at instant speed at sorcery speed it's just red and x which is amazing um right and i will it's flexible which is where i need it (laughs) yeah and i will note that uh while the card says uh target creature or player um the oracle text says to any target so this will this will hit the planeswalkers as well so um very nice yeah um yeah it 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 I've I've played with uh, Caravex Torch before, and it does the thing you want it to do, and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Just as you would want out of a red direct damage spell. Um, I feel like this and Route get uh, looked over fairly often because they're sorceries. Uh, but for two mana more, why wouldn't you want to play it as a as an instant? Um, just to have that flexibility. Right. Um, the, the joy of this one is that, yeah, you can play it at instant speed. The only downside is early on, you know, when you're playing it yeah. the first few turns, you're essentially, it, you're stuck with a sorcery. I mean, you're not, you're not going to try and play this at instant speed unless you've got at least, I don't know, six or ten mana on the board. Yeah. Um, this, this would be great in, obviously, any Is It Spellsinger's decks, any, uh, you know, uh, big big mana red decks uh and i i think that like you don't want to use it really early game uh this no. is good for obviously player removal uh or uh any pesky creature removal but yeah. this is almost always do x damage to player uh yeah and game. and you're right because this is almost always going to be the late game if you're using it early you're desperate get to fire to do three damage at instant speed costs six if that's what you're looking for, then uh, let me introduce you to Lightning Bolt, um, <laughs> which which comes at a significant discount. Uh, no, you're you're playing Get Two Fire because you're waiting for that. You know, you're waiting for the late game when you've got a pile of mana, or you've mm. you know you've created fifteen or twenty treasures. Yeah, Red does treasures very well. Right, and this is this is the sort of spell where you just pour it into that spell. And just do significant damage. So, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I love it. I I ran Caravex Torch quite a bit uh, early on. Uh, I found that it was uh, an effective way to get rid of a lot of the larger creatures in the late game. Um, mm. You know, because at that point I would have twelve or fifteen mana, and if I can spend ten of it at sorcery speed, I can do nine points of damage to a creature, and it was often a great way to get rid of that creature that was gumming up the works and then just pour in with a pile of other creatures or maybe I had one other big creature and I just needed to get around that thing so yeah yeah um 
and it also goes really well in oh man what is that called heim legendary uh um toralf god of fury okay. uh toralf says whenever a creature or a planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage toralf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent so if you have if you're toralf on the battlefield you can pump Carevex torch up as big as you want and the the excess just continues to roll over to other uh targets uh and eventually you can wipe their board and use the regular ex- or the right. excess after that to just hit face right which is excellent yeah that is excellent uh and that works uh especially well with some of the uh uh the more well-known x ex- early x spells like fireball mm. Because Fireball also yeah. always asks you to pay one more for each target beyond the first. Well, with Tor- with Toralf out there, you just spend X oh, yeah. and it just gets around that whole uh, yeah that whole tax especially, on hitting more. Especially with our our friend from a couple weeks ago, uh, Fire Emancipation. Right, uh, the numbers get crazy. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, what was it? G2 Fire yep. at 185 decks and Carevex Torch at 552. Yeah. Nice. So I just finished saying how we get a lot of a lot of direct damage. We just saw G2 Fire, so I went with something a little bit different. Uh, Spitting Earth. Oh. Uh, Spitting Earth costs one and a red. And it says, uh, Spitting Earth deals damage to target creature equal to the number of mountains you control. Obvious, huh. Obviously, we're looking at mono-red decks. Uh, much like G2 Fire, I think this is a card you really only want to play in the late game. Unlike G2 Fire, it just doesn't take a lot of mana. Um, so you can you can go that route. The difficulty with this one, of course, is that it says target creature. So it's not as though you're going to get to do 12 points of damage to an opponent. You're going to do that damage to a creature. So um, it's... Uh, you know, it was just a, a nice way to to get rid of some of those mid-range creatures that are causing you issues as you go through. Because this is going to do as much damage, generally, assuming you're hitting your land drops, this thing ramps up as everybody else's, as everybody else ramps up. Yeah. So, it you know, in the early game it might only do three, but that's probably all you need to have, need to get done. So... Right. So very infrequently people are going to be playing, you know x6 is for three mana you know right uh so yeah then this this card makes a lot of sense yep and you just mentioned torolf uh allowing it to jump from so if i've got 12 i can do you know four damage to three different creatures or three damage to four creatures or however i want to split it up um and i you know that's that's just a huge benefit and not something that clearly not something i mean this was not meant to be something that was supposed to get rid of multiple creatures with some kind of mass removal. The idea was that if you had, you know, eight mountains and somebody's got their 4-4, well, you're going to do eight damage to it. So it's a bit of overkill, but it will it gets the job done. But with Toralf, I mean, this really does spread it around and, you know, things can get pretty ugly real quick. Yeah. So, um, it's a great little, great little card. Yeah, and I like that it costs, I like that it costs two. So you spend two yeah. mana to do ten points of damage. You're not spending ten mana to do ten points of damage. Now you've still got eight mana left. Well, now you can still offer up that X spell. So um, this is a great card if you're, you know, 
on your way to a, on your way to a storm count. So. I think that's one of my favorite things about sorceries in general is yeah. that they are just so cheap. Yeah. Um, because obviously any counterpart uh, in instance is going to be m- more costly, if only because they're better. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, but yeah, um, Spitting Fire. Oh, I and I should mention Spitting Fire... Sorry, I keep saying Spitting Fire. It's Spitting Earth. Um, and it's in 418 decks. Very nice. On EDH Rec. So, and this is uh, one of the ones that's in a pile of uh, options. So you've got that's Portal, 6th, 7th, 10th, on and on and on. So All the way up to, I believe, Jumpstart. Yeah. Yes, it's in Jumpstart as well. Um, how about I do, since we're each doing five. Yeah. Uh, how about I do one and then we go to break? Sounds good. Cool. So my next one is Shatterstorm. Uh, so you've heard about uh, treasures, right? Oh, yeah. And how they're breaking the format. Well, for two red red, we've got a sorcery that destroys all artifacts. They cannot be regenerated. Um, so obviously this gets rid of everyone's artifacts. So... That's why it's not being played very often. But it, this this wipes the board of these overcosted legendary artifacts. It also gets rid of uh, treasures, yeah. which is excellent. Obviously, in response, people will sack them for mana, but um, you're forcing them to use them, which is amazing. So, Andy, uh, I will say, uh, I thought this was in more than when i saw the card i just assumed that it was in too many decks and did not include (laughs) it uh this should be an overlap in our in our list it should be it's not because i goofed but yeah no this is yeah no this this card is in this card is four mana it's in 948 decks right uh and it's had reprints through the roof so uh very easy to get your hands on uh, and especially where, like, uh, what is it? The the one with Overload. Uh, yeah. It's got yeah. a little goblin. Uh, what's it called? Vandal Blast. Thank especially you. where, like, Vandal Blast is still, like, $5 card. Uh, like, this, this essentially does the same job. Obviously, Vandal Blast doesn't hit your own stuff. But... In a deck where you're going... Like, if you're playing a deck that you're not playing that many artifacts in, uh, this this is just as good, if not better. Because Vandal Blast is 5 mana to overload. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just... It's sick. Uh, Shatterstorm, man. I, I, I don't have much more to say about it. It's just... It's good card that should see more play. Right. Now, I know that a lot of red decks do use a lot of artifacts. So, yeah. you know, if you're ramping with treasures, you will want to you will want to consider that when you're playing Shatterstorm because you're going to want to make sure that you've used up your treasures before you before you cast this, but um yeah, it's, but that's the thing too is that you are controlling when you play it. So like having it in your deck isn't necessarily bad except 
if you don't know how to play it, you know? Right. So, obviously, the turn you're going to play it, you're going to pull up all your mana and and do it, but... And I will say with, uh, I mean, if you think Vandal Blast is good enough to be in your deck, then do you want the same effect? Or practically the same effect for one less mana? Right. I mean... With better art? Well, and there's all kinds of art for the, for Shatterstorm, so you can take your pick. So Exactly. Yeah. I just love the broken chalice. It's great. It's a great card. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man, there's a there's a invocation version of Shatterstorm. Nuts. Oh yeah. The Amonket. That's that's wild. Yeah. Anyway. Um that's that's all we got for Chatterstorm. Uh, <laughs> we've got five cards left. Uh, so we'll throw it to break real quick, and when we come back, we'll finish off this list. Uh, yeah, so we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pot is brought to you by Seize the Day. Oh, no, wait. That's in too many, uh, too many decks. This episode of Temple of False Pot is brought to you by Dragonstorm. No, wait, that's, yeah, that's in too many decks. I got it. This episode of Temple of False Pot is brought to you by Browbeat. Oh, wait, no, still too many decks. Hang on, uh, I'll get there. This episode of Temple of False Pot is brought to you by Acidic Soil. No, no, that one still doesn't work. This episode of Temple of False Pot is brought to you by all those red sorceries that everyone's really excited about and is already playing. Back to you, Andy. Hey, we're back! And, uh, we've got some more cards for you. Nice. Welcome to Temple's Treasures, the latter half. Uh, we got some ladders for you and, uh, red sorceries. Uh, we're, we're talking about some underplayed old red sorceries that can sometimes have some cool niche use case that's it <laughs> uh <laughs> i believe we left off and you were about to show us your third one yes my third one lava blister lava oh bl sounds awful it uh, yeah it, it, it well it sounds awful the card's pretty good so for one and a red uh, you get a sorcery that says destroy target non-basic land unless its controller has Lava Blister deal 6 damage to them. So hmm. this card suffers from the same issue that all cards like this suffered from. When you give your opponent the choice, they choose the option less painful for them. So if they have a non-basic that you really want to get rid of, they're not going to do it. They're going to take six. If they have, if you're targeting a non-basic that they don't care about, it's towards the end of the game, and you would prefer to see them say, take six, they're probably going to sack the land. Um, now, having said that, this is six damage for only two. Mm-hmm. I like that option. To the face, yeah. Yeah, six damage, six damage to the face. Uh, so, to me, worst case scenario is six damage to the face. Because, say what you want, in the early game, everybody's going to take the six damage. Because nobody's giving up a land that taps for mana in the early game. It's just too heavy a hit. 
And in the late game, by then, it, you're targeting a non-basic. You're probably not targeting something because of mana. You're probably targeting something because it does something else. Whether it's a, a, a Maze of If, or it's a Gaius Cradle, so it taps for a pile of land, a pile of mana, mm. or something, some kind of special non-basic that does something more than simply tap to produce a mana. Kessick Wolf Run. Right. So, to me, this is a card that just says, take six to the dome. Forget about, forget about that destroy target non-basic land. It's doing six to the dome. That's what's going to happen here. Because I don't believe even in the latest game that you're going to be targeting a non-basic that they don't want to save. Because you're going to go after something that does more than just tap for mana. It just that's that's the way it's going to go. Whether it's, uh, I mean, it can be something as simple as giving your creature double strike, or uh, it, whatever whatever else the the land does. They're going to want to keep it, and they'll take the six. The only time they don't take the six is if it kills them. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I like the card, but I just I like the card because basically because it says it's doing six to the dome for two. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, this kind this kind of card is I, I love giving your opponents the choice because either choice is bad for them, obviously. Uh, but usually, uh, the either effect is better priced on this card, right? Uh, and it's it, yeah, like you're getting a deal regardless. And they're getting, you know, the lesser of two evils for them. Right. Which well, is still benefit for you. Yeah. I mean, so. there's a reason. I mean, the, you know, the, the mana value on these cards is lower because you're generally not getting what you want. You know, you're giving them right. the options. So they, they get to choose which is the less painful option for them. So it's going to have to, be, have to cost a little bit less to make up for that, uh, for giving them the choice. So I like... I like Lava Blister for that because I don't really feel like this is a card that offers a choice. You're just taking six. So. Yeah. Um, Lava Blister is in 276 decks on EDH Rec. So uh, just another interesting card. Um, I can see this, you know, it fits the theme for, for political decks where, you know, oh, you're yeah. incur- making your opponents make decisions. So... Nice. Yeah. I like it. Uh, my next card uh, also requires your uh, opponents to make decisions. Mm-hmm. It's called Illicit Auction. For Red Red 3, it says, Each player may bid life for control of target creature. You start the bidding with a bid of zero. In turn order, each player may top the high bid. The bidding ends... If the high bid stands, the high bidder loses life equal to the high bid and gains control of the creature. This effect lasts indefinitely. Um, I saw this card and I was infinitely intrigued. Um, I don't know what what you would do this for. You're just somebody is gaining control of somebody else's creature and losing life for it. I'm just, like, so intrigued by all the possibilities that this could wind up being, and on top of it, it's just kind of, 
It's goofy. I don't know. This, uh, as someone who's played this card a few times, um, most times what I find happens is I'm looking at a card that's a linchpin for an opponent's deck. Uh, This is, you know, choose target creature. I'm choosing an opponent's commander. Their entire deck revolves around this. Mm. They have to have it. And they're going to pay any amount of life to get there. It just and it's just the bidding just starts around the table. Um, this is uh, particularly fun when uh, you're targeting an opponent who has less life than somebody else. Um, hmm. If you've got you know if an opponent ha- if if the opponent you're targeting has say 27 life, and there's another opponent with 40. Well, if the opponent with 40 starts starts bidding. And there's nothing that says that the bid has to go up by one life each turn. Mm. So the player with 40 can, can, you know, it's like one, two, three, seven. I'm going to go seven. Let's, I, you're going to have to go to eight. I'm going to make you pay. And if I don't like, you know, and seven could just be my first offer. I mean, I've already got a number in my head as far as how high I'm willing to go. And suddenly... Things can get really, really ugly for that player. Um, I mean, this is this is essentially stealing somebody's creature, and you're getting it. I mean, it's this isn't theft for a turn. This is yeah. This is this is a blue effect on a red card. Yes, it is. It really is. <laughs> um, and but it's know, fun. That's why it's red. Right, and it's and it's a cool sub game. Um, and like I said, I think every time you play this. Uh, you can look at the board. You can look at the board state and sort of look at it and decide how is this going to play out. Because honestly, even if the player who controls the card has the highest life total, you know, if I've got twenty five life, maybe I'm willing to go to fifteen. Mm. You know, how high? How high are your other opponents willing to go? Like, are they willing to risk their? You know, at what point is it like? I mean, everybody knows who wants the who wants it the most, but how you know how much are you willing to risk? Because at some point they may call your bluff and just be like, "No, I'm out," and then you're left hmm. holding the bag with a pile of life. So, um, I've seen yeah, I've seen some, and I've played this, and and I've had it with where I played it and did not uh, accurately uh, predict how the board was going to work out. And ended up having uh, no one who was willing to pay. Because my second bid was five life, and no one else was willing to go over that. I'm like, oh, I guess I get the creature for five life and put myself into a position where, like, I did not expect that I was going to be losing five life. Yeah. But this um, feels like the type of card, too, that goes into a deck alongside, say, like Master of Ceremonies, where you kind of have to play up the table you have to like be campy about it you have to like put on a character of like an auctioneer and like really call it out and kind of go for it um you do because otherwise because otherwise it it just like there's there's a game to it but uh you know people can take it a little too seriously right and it does say proceeding in turn order so get on your auctioneer's hat one after the other after the other and honestly, even turnover on the table, the turn order around the table can affect how well the bidding goes. 
Cause, oh, definitely. Uh, you know, if the wrong, you know, if if your high bidder is the fir- is the first person that you're going to, um, you know, they have to make sure that you know that somebody's going to raise them at some point to push the, the push the life totals up. So it's yeah. uh, oh, you know, this is a uh, this is this card is great fun, uh, and I I do enjoy it when it comes out, um, especially. If uh, if your deck is a deck where it's clear that you are able to recur the card, so that it's it's obvious to everyone, this is not going to be the one and only time we're going to be auctioning off a creature here. Yeah. So that's always a lot of fun. I love this card. It's a, it's a great little one. Um, I believe you have two more. Yeah. I have two more. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go to your next one. All right. Oh next. yeah. And for those who don't know, this is in sixteen hundred twenty-eight decks. One six two eight. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my next card is huh, another two mana sorcery. Stronghold Gambit. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Stronghold Gambit. Each player chooses a card in their hand. Then each player reveals their chosen card. The owner of each creature card revealed this way, with the lowest mana value, puts it onto the battlefield. So you play it for two, and then it becomes a question of, do your opponents have creatures in their hand, and how cheap do you think those creatures are? So Mm. this played in the early game, you're likely going to have to play a creature that costs one or two mana to actually get it onto the battlefield. So... Not that much of a return. You probably could have just played that creature. But when we get a little farther into the game, when people aren't playing out a creature every turn, this could certainly be interesting because you can play the two and then you're looking at your, you know, your four mana value creature thinking to yourself, is this going to be low enough? Will this be good enough? And there's always, at that point, you start looking at the game as far as, you know, how, how expensive am I willing to do? Um, and on the other hand, everyone is revealing their card. So yeah. you get to see cards in hand as well. So uh, that's uh, not something to be sneezed at. It's nice to know uh, which creature they're going to play out. Because there's always going to be at least one opponent who's just not going to play along with this game. No, no. Yeah. I'm going to play my. Ex- I'm going to show you my expensive seven mana creature. And if I get to put it on the battlefield for free, that's great. But otherwise, that's that. Um, but you know, I recommend you, you you play along with the game. So yeah, um, I what I love I mean what I love about these past two cards is that it just does that you know it involves the table yeah. like somebody's not just having a turn to themselves where everybody's just waiting for the turn to end. Um, this this is you know everybody everybody gets to participate as much as they want to and if they right. don't that's their own fault yeah uh <laughs> i love i always love the mini games so cards like illicit mm. auction and the stronghold gambit um they uh, you know these are the, these are the kind of cards that appeal to me yeah um, so andy yeah. i think you got one more i do as do you yeah. i wonder if we chose the same one uh, mine is two and a red uh, sorcery, obviously. It's called Panic Attack. Uh, it says, up to three target creatures cannot block this turn. Uh, it doesn't have to be the same uh, owner or controller. Yeah. Um, and, you know, three could very well be 
most of, if not somebody's whole board. So, uh, realistically, this could be, you know, make sure the one that you're worried about doesn't block, and then you're pretty sure they're not going to block with the other ones unless they absolutely have to. Uh, or, uh, I was going to say you could use it on somebody else's turn, but it's a sorcery, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> this really does help out with a lot of the more concerning creatures that are on the battlefield. Uh, three is a lot, especially for three mana. Uh, I, I, I love cards that make things not be able to block. I don't know. I just love cards like this. Uh, there's another one. Uh, what was it called? What I love about cards like this is that it really messes with people like me who plan out how many blocking creatures I'm going to need. Yeah. So if I've got, you know, six or seven creatures and I'm like, okay, I need to have three there to block, assuming they can mess with one of them, so I'm going to keep four, which lets me have three creatures I can swing with. Now, which creatures can I swing with? Where can I go? Blah, blah, blah. That's done. I have my four creatures that can block. And now suddenly I have one. It's like, oh. Yeah. Now, the other benefit of this is that this doesn't say that this doesn't say that those creatures get tapped. Mm. Uh, they can block. They can block later. I mean, you get to get through. No one else does. Mm. So this isn't a uh, you know I'm going to tap your three creatures and now everybody's going to take a turn, you know, smoking, you know, smashing into you because I have left you wide open. Uh, you are very much controlling how much damage and how much they're going to pay. You know, if I'm if those creatures can't block, well, then I, I, you know before you even do this how much you're planning to swing in for. So it, uh, I like that you get that level of control. Whereas otherwise, it's kind of open. And maybe you intended for your opponent to take 10, and now suddenly they're taking 25, and maybe that's a little bit more than you had intended. Uh, for, you know, I mean, hey, I, I get it. You, you were trying to kill the opponents, but... Um, you know, maybe the plan was to sort of level things off a little bit as opposed to wiping them off the board, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the card that this made me think of uh, is one of my favorites from the uh, the War of the Spark era Ravnica stuff. Uh, the, the card uh, is from Guilds of Ravnica. It's called uh, Cosmotronic Wave. For four mana, it deals one damage to each creature your opponents control, which you know, obviously hits a lot more, and creatures your opponents control can't block this turn, uh, which also is a little bit more than just three creatures. Uh, but sometimes, like, all they have is three. Like, so, like there is a point of uh, diminishing returns here that uh, panic attack is just as good. Um, right. And I think that, like, being able to choose the creatures, too, is, uh, is always good, obviously. Um, it's not just, you know, three creatures your opponents control that they choose. Which, I mean, was never the question. But uh, I think it, it just... I think for three mana, it's an efficient card that will let you get in with your trampley big boys easy. Right. So, uh, without worry of, of any sort of, uh, like, death touch, you can you can stop and stuff, so... Uh, 
and this is only seeing play in 125 decks. Man. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I am going to wrap things off here. Um, Ooh. Andy, you recommended Shatterstorm as one of your cards. I did. And Shatterstorm is destroy all artifacts. So, yes, it gets your own artifacts, but it wipes everything, and it only costs four. Mm-hmm. What if I had a card that didn't cost anything? <sighs> let's, look at, let's look at Pulverize. So Pulverize, it has a mana value of four red red. Okay. But you're not paying six. That, I guess you could, but you're not going to. Because in the card text it says, you may sacrifice two mountains rather than pay this spell's mana cost. So you sack two mountains, don't pay six, and destroy all artifacts. It's a free card. It's free. Because mm. the mountains that you're sacrificing, they can be tapped. So you've already got the mana out of them. Um, you can float the mana, do something after you've cast the spell. You can do something before. It doesn't really matter. It's the ability to do this without, without paying anything, um, I think, is, is very handy. Uh, now, this is, not a, you know, this is not a force of will. This isn't a card that comes out of nowhere. You see your opponents tapped out and you think, I can do something. Because this is a sorcery. So your opponents are not going to look at your board and say, oh, look, you know, Bruce is all tapped out. We can now do stuff on his turn because, come on, it's my turn. You're probably, not doing, you're probably not waiting for me to run out of mana to do stuff on the middle of my turn. So it doesn't have that same wow factor and coming out of nowhere that, that a card like Force of Will or other you know, free instance has. But... It is free. You're not paying the mana cost. So you're not paying that four that you would pay for the Shatterstorm or the five for, the, for, the, for your overload. Uh, you're paying, you know, you're paying two mountains. If you're using this card, there's a very real chance that you're planning to wrap this game in the next couple of turns. So in theory, yeah. losing those two mountains is not going to cost you in the long run. However, yeah. if... You're paying the two mountains because you need to play it early and you really can't afford the six. You're going to want to take a long, hard look at whether or not you really need to do that because you're putting yourself so far behind doing it. You really do want to be winning this game fast. So um, so I picked Pulverize. That was my, uh, my, yeah, final, my final this, pick. This matches well, too, in certain color combinations like black and red where... Uh, Especially lately, we've got cards that do certain things when artifacts leave the battlefield mm -hmm. or enter the graveyard or right. something. Uh, like Marionette Master from, I believe, Kaladesh. Uh, yeah. Um, says, like, whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So it's it becomes kind of a helpful piece in that artifact aristocrat strategy uh, so you're saying it's a, also great it's a reason not to sack your artifacts not to I'm sack your treasures <laughs> not yeah exactly i'm saying yeah no this well, is perfect every if you're sacking your because every treasure like, now a, does how much damage 
Yeah. Uh, one, but uh, unless you know you've you've made marionette master large. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think the the great thing too is like, uh, it then turns pulverize into a win con in itself rather than just a, a card that will help you stabilize right. uh so excellent card yeah uh and uh that is in 147 decks yeah this is so. this is a a low number for for a card like this i appreciate the reason why um like i said this isn't a card you're going to want to play early um you're going to want a ton of mana out there if you're yeah. pl- if you're playing this because uh, you know, even on turn seven or eight, if you've got seven or eight mountains and you lose two, uh, that puts you behind for the next round. You really do want to have a way to finish this. You're, yeah. you're you're sacking those two mountains to wipe out artifacts in the hopes of wiping out their defenses, preventing them from doing whatever was going to happen on that next turn that was going to kill you, and then you're hammering in, uh, and you have to be coming in right away because. You are putting yourself behind with this card, so yeah, for sure. Pulverize, man. I just love talking about red cards. I could talk about them for hours. Well, we just talked uh, about I red love... cards for an hour. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think uh, we both talked about. Fi- I I think we both talked about five cards. We each. did. We did. Uh, but that would be a lie. I talked about six. Uh, and uh, yeah. I I just love these episodes, um, and we hope you do too. But I think that uh, without much much uh, festivity here at the end, I think we can quickly uh, wrap things up. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Just, uh, I mean, we talked about you know the the limited range of of red sorceries back in the day, but. It's not really that limited. Uh, most of the uh, the very the ones that do something different tend to, tends to be the ones that are the more popular ones. So we're not really going to talk about them. So you know, uh, seize the day or dragonstorm or uh, insurrection. These are all great cards, uh, but you already know about all these. So there is some there is variation in, in a lot of these older cards. It's just uh, you know when you get a card especially an older card that does something different than usual, um, everybody tends to uh, perk up and, and tends to know a little bit about it. And Wizards is usually uh, kind enough to uh, repeatedly uh, print it, hopefully right into the ground. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. 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 I'm excited for the next <laughs> half of this season. Yeah, Get, getting getting closer to a hundred, um, but uh, I think that'll do it for us this evening or whenever you're listening today this morning. It's four o'clock here. I don't know, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna let Bruce go have some dinner. Uh, Sounds good. But uh, thank you so much for listening. We're Temple of False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Again, thank you so much for listening. Share us with your friends. Uh, Have a great night. Play some magic for me. And may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepod 
mtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!